SAFM Sports Wrap. SAFM South Africa's news and information leader now. Uh, SA Rugby made their case to host the 10th uh, Rugby World Cup to uh, World Rugby Council in London earlier today. South Africa, of course, bidding against Ireland and France for the right to host the tournament in uh, 2023. I'm delighted to say we've got uh, South Africa's legendary broadcaster and uh, journalist, uh, Andy Capistano, on the line to talk more about this bid. Andy, thanks for joining us. Good evening. Uh, good evening to you, Dwayne. Nice to sort of speak to you. Great to chat to you again. Yeah, it, can you just give us a brief outline, though, or a, a synopsis of, of the bid and what was presented today? Well, I think uh, what was really presented was uh, government backing. Yeah, The fact that Cyril Ramaphosa yes. was there uh, was a major issue uh, in, in everybody's life. Um, if you go back to the Commonwealth Games debacle, um, that... That fell on its face because of a lack of government, of government backing. Um, as much as Sukilo Mbalula, who was the sports minister at the time, tried to tell us that uh, there really was government backing, there wasn't. So the fact that Ramaphosa was there uh, gives it a, a big push. Uh, and, of course, the, uh, the, the main frame of this is, um, is piggybacking on the success of the 2010 Soccer World Cup in this country. And uh, the, the stadia that were built for that World Cup are uh, of, a, of a world-class standard. Um, and that, together with the attempted social upliftment through the amount of money that is, is coming in, I think that's really the nuts and bolts of the bid. Yeah, I, th- I suppose it's very central because it does save an enormous amount of money for uh, for the organising committee, and that makes it uh, a lot more pleasing for all, for all parties, I suppose. But in terms of uh, you know the stadium and the infrastructure, France is just host to the European Championships, for example. I mean, how strong are the uh, are the other bids? Do you think compared to what South Africa does have to offer? Well, I don't think there's any doubt that uh, there is a, a large conservative streak that runs right the way through world rugby, yes. um, and they would far, far rather have something in Europe if they could make up a good excuse uh, for that to actually happen. So the idea of uh, South Africa being a unique situation which sold the World Cup in 1995 is not there anymore. We've, we've been around for a quarter of a century now and uh, that's kind of old news. So we, we really are bidding against uh, France and Ireland on, on a level footing and what can we bring that they can't? Now, uh, interesting enough, of course, um, France have uh, already offered an extra 30 million euros. Mm. Uh, and that, um, given the timing of it, is being considered as something of a bribe. Now, we're quite good at bribes <laughs> in this country, um, but we, we didn't offer one in, the, in this circumstance, as far as I'm aware. Um, France, I, I think you've got to give them uh, a lot of credence. You know, the, the, the top 14 uh, and the second-tier competition that they run, which is, of course, full of South Africans, um, is a very high level of competition. Um, and, and the real benefit, I think, of a, of a French effort is the similar thing to what we had in 95, which is that it's all in one country, which is not going to be the case with the Irish bid. Yes. Uh, I, I suppose it has its uh, unique uh, selling points in itself, does the, uh, the Irish bid. But, uh, you know, I suppose they haven't really proved with, the, with some of the greater tournaments like France and South Africa have in, in recent years. But... Ha- you talked about social upliftment uh, factor, and I think that's something that is is key. World Rugby has put a long-standing focus on growing the sport. Do, do you think South Africa has put a great deal of emphasis on this and hoping to uh, to try to focus on that being part with the sort of money saving to 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 bring it uh, to the southern hemisphere? 
Yeah, well, there's no question that, that they have. And, of course, uh, in tandem with the bid uh, is the very upfront message that for the 2019 World Cup, the Springbok team will be 50-50 representation. That, uh, that is to say, we'll have at least 50% black, black players in it. And who's to say it's not going to be more than 50% uh, come 2019? It's not a question of ability there. It's, it's a question of taking off the blinkers and saying, this is who we are and this is what we want to represent. So I, I think that it's fair to say that uh, if you're going for that scenario, then South Africa definitely has a very strong bid. But at the end of the day, I have to say that well, let, let's revisit that conservative element um, of having something in Europe that's in the main time zone for um, the, the biggest audience. Um, South Africa can piggyback on that because we're in a very similar time zone. But from a, a, a cohesion perspective, um, you, you have to say that South Africa's bid is, is going to have to be sort of 20% better than anybody else's in order for us to get it. Yeah, I, I wondered though uh, who, which nations rather were actually going to bid when I initially heard that the uh, Rugby World Cup was going to Japan in 2019 because I thought surely they'll want to take it back to a traditional uh, rugby powerhouse and indeed all three in their own right are uh, traditional rugby powerhouses so it doesn't really fall in anyone's favour but, but in terms of the, uh, the actual vote and the process, what, what happens now? Well, uh, now uh, they sit down for a month and talk amongst themselves. Um, that, that, that's the long and short of it. Uh, they, 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 have appointed, <laughs> they, they have appointed um, uh, an expert uh, kind of auditing company um, to go over the, um, the scenarios of the three bids, um, and, and uh, much of that will, will be uh, purely on, on an actuarial basis. So, you know, this is what they say. Um, uh, can we agree that that is what they're actually putting on the table? Um, so uh, a lot of people will be, will be putting their heads together uh, over that month-long period. There'll be lots of rumours coming out of World Rugby about, uh, I've heard this and I've heard that. But at the end of the day, um, I think they've got a pretty good track record. They'll, they'll come out with the, uh, with the right... Um, scenario, and if you if you're going to hold a gun to my head, I, I think South Africa is going to miss out again. I, I think there are 37 uh, councillors who get to vote ultimately, so I think we we need, we need 19 votes. It's going to be one of those where we uh, where we try to win over each person individually, perhaps in the build up to the actual voting process. But uh, look, at least you've given us a fair assessment of uh, of what you um, your your own insights and opinions here, Andy. But uh, thanks for your time tonight, and uh, I suppose <laughs> go and enjoy what rugby you can until the the voting process is closed and indeed the decision is made. Oh, well, there we go. There lots of rugby uh, you know, going right the way through. Now that we're in the Pro 14, Pro 14 we yes. have global season. SAFM Sports Rap. SAFM South Africa's news and information leader now. Banyana Banyana's uh, interim coach, Desraelis, has made history by becoming the first South African to win the Kasafa Women's Championship as a player and a coach. Delighted to uh, say that she returned to South Africa victorious with the victorious Banyana Banyana squad. And I was landing back from Port Elizabeth this morning around about the same time, but I snuck out of the airport. But there was a grand, grand, grand welcome waiting for uh, the women as they returned from Zimbabwe victorious. I'm delighted to say Desiree after getting back home to uh, Cape Town, is on the line. Desiree, thanks for joining us. Good evening and congratulations on, uh, on your team's achievement and indeed your own. Uh, thanks, Dwayne, and uh, welcome to the listeners and thanks for having me. And uh, as you said, it was really a fantastic welcome. 
Yeah, it was, it was. I, I tell you what, I, I looked at it and I thought, you know what, um, I, I've just gotten back after a long weekend of uh, football match after football match after football match, and I, I did Chipper United last night, so I thought, let me get home, let me, I have to get home. I know I can, get, I can chat to you later today, so, so I am. But, uh, and, and while I know you're going to deflect all the attention away from yourself, let, let's, let's focus a little on the fact. I mean, it is a, a relatively historic achievement, somebody who's now won it as a, as a player and a coach. Does it, does it feel any different winning a tournament as a, as a player as to winning it as a coach? Not really. I think it's it's more rewarding this time around because you had a group of players and you've got staff and other technical members there. So it's it's sort of a collective, you know, physically going onto the field, but you're actually contributing in essence to someone else um, getting an achievement. So for me, um, and 15 years after winning the the, gold medal as, as a player, it's a it's sort of, uh, a, 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 I think, an even better achievement um, because back then you just think about playing, you know. Yeah. Uh, you don't think about uh, becoming a coach one day. And uh, that was the furthest thing from my mind, though, until people sort of reminded me type of things. Because for us it was just about the final, you know, getting to win it. But uh, um, it is a fantastic achievement. And after everything else, um, you know, it's, it's something that you need to celebrate as well. Indeed, but we need to celebrate Banyana Banyana as a whole, as you say. I mean, a 2-1 win over the hosts Zimbabwe, back to winning ways after that 2011 disappointment. But what, what do you think this means for uh, for South African women's football broadly? I think it's, it's huge, especially the Castle just renewing their sponsorship. You know, it's almost a thank you to say for the last couple of years that they've sponsored um, not only our league, but the national team as well. And going with a, with a, with a new group of players, um, you know, 10 new players since the last game against France, uh, it helps us to also broaden the pool. Um, now we have a lot of players who are raising their hands. And healthy competition within the team can only make the team get better. Um, none of the overseas-based players were available. Janine van Dijk was not available. Yeah. So we had to try a couple of different things. And uh, I mean, we all talk about the final, but for us the final was the, the semi-final because that shows the true character of the team. You know, we've spoken about mental strength before when the team is down. We just sort of fold over, but this time around they've really come out and showed that they wanted it badly. And I think it comes down to with the team um, being a, a, a collective, being together, um, being united away from the football field back at the camp where we were. And it's that transcended onto the pitch where the players were prepared to really fight for one another, to fight. You know, I, I said to them at half time, it was a different kind of team talk where I just spoke about, you know, um, remember who you're playing for. You're not just playing for yourself. You're playing for the badge, you're playing for 50-odd million people back home. You're playing also all the coaches that are at a party and you're getting here, your family, etc. So think about the impact, I think how disappointed they will be, you know. And then uh, I, we, we don't know what happens really. Um, it's like something supernatural take, taken over and players just hung in there. And we, we believed all the time and we believed and everyone else believed within the team. And I think it's important you know, that you believe because without belief you've got nothing. And that's where it started. Even even the final, um, we were in complete control and we started uh, defending very deeply. Why, I don't know, because we kept shouting to, to push up and then a fantastic uh, era by Ritendo. And uh, we then brought to boom on um, because we knew that penalty um, sticks were, were coming up soon. But the players had said earlier that they want to win it in 90 minutes when they were true to the word, and that is the character. And, uh, you know, we call them the comeback kids 
never say die attitude of this of this group of players. Very special indeed. Yeah, well, the comeback kid certainly proved that uh, in that match against Zambia. That was just incredible. I mean, if you think about it, though, I mean, I, we, we spoke about some of the defensive errors uh, previously, and, and you conceded there's still some work to be done in, in, in certain areas. But when you look at things like how the players responded to the pressure, I mean, how much did that three-goal comeback inspire the belief that this team can, can achieve anything? No, they, they really did because... Um, it was very difficult, or I want to difficult, but you know, after such a such a high, now you still have to play the final, and uh, the players were very motivated. Um, you know, uh, we had a little motivational clip, and uh, it was very emotional because it showed how we how we actually came back. Because you know, you play, but you don't see the magnitude of what you did, and it was very emotional for the whole group. You know, that was sitting there watching, and um, I think uh, just doing that, players believe that. You know, it doesn't matter what happens, um, they can come back, they can win. And um, in the final, we were never in doubt that we could win because uh, we controlled the, the, the game, even though they scored. We always knew that we would win, but uh, we're preparing, as you say, for penalties. But the players said, Coach, no, not going to happen again. We're going to finish it in 90 minutes. And uh, what a time to score because there's really no chance to come back. And uh, I think they deserve everything for all the effort that they put in. We didn't have much games. Leading up to that, we had two little camps, and then, mm. uh, you know, a couple of days before before um, going to Zimbabwe, we had, we had another camp. So we didn't really have much time to work on a lot of things, um, but I think our fitness carried us through. Um, our rotation of the squad, even though in some quarters we were lambasted for, you know, making a lot of changes, even though we knew that the team that we put on the pitch against Botswana was good enough to win it, um, in the end, it, it helped us. We were the fresher team in the se- towards the end of the semi-final, and we were even the fresher team in the final because we had rotated our squad. Yeah. Um, there were only two players, Captain uh, Rafiwe and Bambanani, the central defender, who played each and every minute of all the games. But otherwise, everybody, out, everybody else was rotated and everybody got to play. Yeah. I think that's what kept the squad you know, together and united, and they really wanted to go out there and win it. And aside from resting, it gives you additional opportunity to see uh, players in a competitive environment as well. But I mean, on the point of competitive environments, looking ahead, you know, Banyana Banyana has been to the last two Olympic Games now. How important is it to take that next step to the Women's World Cup? Look, it's not negotiable. There's no two ways about it. Um, we were very close in 2014. Um, it was very heartbreaking, having, having so many opportunities and then... Um, conceding right at the end, and it's not, a, it's not a great feeling that you want to go through again. And I think this competition was great preparation um, in terms of uh, giving new players an opportunity, and that's brought in the pool, which makes for very healthy competition. And uh, this is where the work starts now to prepare first to qualify for AFCON and then to get into that top three. Ideally, you would go to a competition to want to win it. But if you fall short, you want to get into the top three, and it's not negotiable. It's got to happen. You know, it's got to happen. Players have got to realize that uh, opportunities are out there, and uh, the next ultimate would be definitely to qualify for the World Cup. And I think that would take our women's football in the country to a completely different level.
Talking about players that have been able to take the uh, football to different levels, I mean, one, one of the uh, consummate professionals I've, I've got to mention is uh, Noko Matlo. I mean, she, she really has been uh, a real professional. She's played as a striker, she's played as a defender, she's played everywhere anyone has asked her to play, and she's done it. I mean, she's somebody who's won a CAF Player of the Year award, uh, and now for her, a multiple champion. How special was that medal for somebody like uh, Noko? You know, we didn't start off with Noko. Um, you know, you take couple of younger players with and so forth. But uh, when we were struggling against Namibia, they had just scored. Um, and at halftime, we made the change. And uh, that's who Norco really is, you know. An upper professional, whether she's sitting on the bench, whether she's, or whether she's in the lineup. And uh, she showed that a lot of people said, you know, we need to we need to sort of refresh the squad and take a couple of veterans out. And clearly, you know, yeah. she's not one of them. Yes. I mean, in the final, um, Rutenda Makora kept her quiet for 73 minutes because she is a handful. And uh, with all due respect, I know Bambanani won the play of the match. But in my opinion, it should have gone to Norco because that was their kingpin and Norco kept her quiet. You know, she tried everything. And Norco kept her quiet in defense. And wow, she really played a part this time around. You know, you say, you say um, uh, um, experience is key. And that was really key, that we could fall back on Noko and she could stand out and just, you know, calm everything down. And, and, and the, the, I think the best player, one of the best players at the tournament, Rutendo, uh, you know, keep her quiet because yeah. she made them barbaric. And that's who Noko is. Well, I tell you, Desiree, there's uh, time, unfortunately, against us. But uh, I, I could talk to you for ages about uh, football and what, uh, what you've managed to achieve so far. Congratulations once again on, on your own achievement. But indeed, and more importantly, for, uh, from a national perspective, for guiding Banyana Banyana to the gold medal. Uh, we applaud your effort. Thank you. Thank you. It's been fantastic. And just to mention, we won four out of five uh, matches. We won player of the match. The only one we didn't win was against Botswana, which we drew. So it shows how hard the team worked. It shows the quality within the team, and it was four different players. And Tim Vicharlana got a player of the tournament show. It just showed how special this group really is. And as Rafilga Jani says, you know, we just got to go move forward now yes. and go one step further. And whoever comes in, at least still keep the culture of sharing and caring and, and fighting for the badge and fighting for each other. Yes, just so to build on this now. Yeah, so thanks for having me on the show. You're welcome. Cheers, Desiree. Thank you. SAFM Sports Wrap. SAFM South Africa's news and information leader now from the success of the Kasafa women's uh, team, Banyana Banyana, in the uh, Kasafa Senior Women's Championships. I'm delighted to say that we move on now to uh, a level where perhaps one day players that are competing might be able to compete for the national team. Delighted to say we've got Varsity uh, Football Manager Antti Lomzim Nesi on the line to talk more about the uh, two finals, men's and women's uh, Varsity Football finals that are going to be taking place on Thursday. Nesi, thanks for joining us. Good evening. Dwayne, thank you so much for having me. And uh, glad you opened up with that Kasapa women's success. And we've been proud to say we've got a number of football ladies playing in that tournament. And again, it's always an exciting platform to see our players progressing up from varsity football and going all the way up to represent the national team. Yeah, I mean, there have been some great examples, haven't there, across all the sports, though, the, the varsity sports. I mean, rugby, there are several examples. Football, there are several examples. And it's wonderful to see uh, the impact of varsity sports on professional sport. Exactly. I mean, I, I can only imagine when Francois came up with this idea, the impact he thought it would have on national sports. You know, you probably thought it's just a platform where players would have to go to another platform and then nationals. And then it just so happens the competition and quality is high enough that players can step straight up from varsity football or varsity sports 
onto onto the national level. And we've got a few players from the TUP ladies team that were participating in that Kosafa Cup that are now coming back and are going to be part of the TUP women's team to play in the final on Thursday. So it, it, it shows they, they go from playing an international competition to now coming back and playing against a very strong UJ side. And it will make for an amazing story for, for the UJ players again to also say they're playing against international players at a varsity level. Yeah, you talk about uh, TUT playing uh, the UJ. That's, of course, the women's final. But uh, TUT also in the men's final, which is uh, relatively astonishing when you uh, consider just how strong that football is at the moment. But uh, it does seem to be a, a very uh, Gauteng uh, success story, uh, both, both the men's and women's finals. Uh. Most definitely, and, 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 and strangely enough, I'm, I'm an Eastern, I was born in the Eastern Cape, and I'm an Eastern Cape man, and, and it's, been, it's been strange and tough to sort of solo to watch the Eastern Cape teams not do so well, and we were hoping Western Province would sort of fire the flag for the rest of the country, and they also managed to, to, to sort of fall short, but definitely football is so strong in Gauteng, and it just speaks volumes of the two stars, attacks uh, and, and TUP for them to be in the final. And what's amazing about varsity football this year is we've had the same eight teams as we had in the previous year. So it's the first year we've had continued success and, and the big yeah. crowds. And, and it's just really been such an amazing tournament. And to have the two top most successful teams in varsity football playing in the final is just evidence of, of the quality the universities put in and the preparation that they put in. So Thursday is definitely a big night. And I think the whole of Pretoria is going to come to a standstill to watch these two giants go at it. Yeah, University of Pretoria certainly looking for their. Uh, I think it's their third title, if I'm not mistaken. If uh, if they go on and win it, they'll be uh, they'll they'll bring a fair amount of support as they head across to uh, TUT for this final. Most definitely, you know, Tax Tax is looking for for that third title that's eluded them. TUT is looking for back-to-back victories. So both teams are very very strong. I remember last year they played in the semi-finals against one another, and again TUT, you know, had just this hard tight and managed to get through to the final. So Tax has got a big point to prove. And uh, funnily enough, we always talk about the tax teams across all sporting codes. They're just so professional. Yeah. So in the round-robin stages, they might not do well as the players are probably thinking about other things and other, other platforms that they're wanting to play. But when they come to finals, they just know how to pull together the team and really step up. So, so TUT is extremely nervous for this one. They know they've played well around, across the round-robin. But when it comes to final, you know, tax is just a professional team that knows how to click and knows how to play uh, knockout to knockout football. Now, see, uh, what can fans expect on uh, on Thursday, aside from the uh, quality football that's on offer? So, again, you know, Varsity Sports, we've become renowned for all our entertainment. So, last year, we had Casper Nervest, who was obviously the biggest selling artist in Africa last year. And um, the year before, we had AKA. So, we've been getting number of students calling us to ask us who we bring to the final. We bring an artist called Team Marshall who's been absolutely phenomenal in Pretoria, and the students love them. So they're coming to perform on Thursday night, and I'm sure it'll again be a jam-packed house at the stadium. We've got KB, um, the, 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 sing, the singer, the singer, and she, she's a former TUT student. And fortunately enough, the students wrote in class and asked us, guys, is there any chance we could get KB for this historic final two in a row at their campus? So we've got KB coming, and again, we've got our usual trains, the kick for cash. We've got the dance-off competitions. We've got Devonair selling food. We've got Samsung prize giveaways and obviously the F&B t-shirts travel. So all of our sponsors, there's plenty of prizes for people to win. And again, I would urge all the students to get down there. And if you can't, the games will be broadcast live on Supersport. Okay, in terms of ticketing though, for those who do want to get down? For those who do want to get down, please, if you can make sure you go into the Varsity Sports app and download your ticket. Your ticket is for free once you download it off the app. And when you get to the venue, we simply scan it. 
and we try to have a few rewards for our loyal customers on the app. So, so perhaps if you do download the app, you might be willing something. And for those who want to buy at the gate, it will be 20 rand at the gate. Um, I do recommend you get there early. We've got the women's final that's playing at half past three. So if you definitely want a good seat in the house, be there at three o'clock to make sure you catch the women's final and you've got your seat guaranteed for, for the final match. But DUT is definitely the home of varsity football. Over six games this season, they've had a packed out, sold out stadium. So I can tell you now for the women's football final, it will be jam packed from half past three. Well, I tell you, it does sound uh, it's like it's going to be a, a full day's entertainment in TUT, the place to be then uh, this Thursday. Kanti Lomzi Nesi, uh, football manager for Varsity, uh, or for Varsity uh, Cup Football. Thank you so much for your time uh, tonight and enjoy all the build-up and indeed uh, a successful final on Thursday. Dwayne, thank you so, so much. We always appreciate your support and you checking in with us and following our tournament and we hope media across South Africa will continue to do this and give these students the platform that they deserve. Thank you very much. SAFM Sports Wrap. So we're going to have to leave it. Uh, Naledi Mulo is up after the news of the talk shop. Don't go anywhere, but from Bashabon Chetimi, Dwayne DeLocker, have a lovely evening. Cheers. It's 7 o'clock.